Welcome to the No Right Way, the Messy Road to Eating Disorder Recovery Podcast. We will be talking about the fears around body image, control with food, and how to challenge the expectations of diet culture and fat phobia. We're your hosts, Allison Gomez, licensed marriage and family therapist, and Katie Gaston, registered dietitian. Now, before we get started, this podcast is not a replacement for therapy, nor is it meant to be used for mental health, nutritional, medical, or psychiatric treatment. If you are needing assistance, go to www.therapyden.com or inclusivetherapist.com to find a therapist in your area. For nutritional support, visit eatright.org to find a registered dietitian. Hi, welcome back. Hello, hello. So today we are going to be talking about eating disorders or disordered eating and how Mm -hmm. they don't necessarily have a very specific look Mm -hmm. contrary to like what maybe like the media says or the DSM or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think too, like we'll probably get into really the harm behind this idea that eating disorders or disordered eating or really health, you know, and well, in well, as well. Um, you know, we kind of, as a society think that they have a look where they really don't. And like the harms in us thinking that they have a look, you know, like then how does um, access to care get changed? You know, how is it changed of who is decided to be quote unquote worthy of care or, you know, that they are quote unquote sick enough to get care and all of these different things. Yeah. So it was really interesting um, with this conversation because I was just having this conversation with my mom prior to this about the looks of eating disorders and how a lot of signs can be missed depending on what your like body type is. Mm-hmm. If you don't have like that quote unquote stereotypical look of whatever eating disorder, then you can easily fall in between the cracks and not mm-hmm. get care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, And I think that a lot of the times, you know, of what can happen, let's just say at the doctor's office, you know, where if you are a certain, you know, body size, like a larger body size, the behaviors, even if you are, you know, being very open with your doctor of, you know, like, oh, I'm having these kind of like disordered eating behaviors or like, you know, this is my relationship with food and body right now. And it just really doesn't feel, you know, right. And it's almost kind of encouraged if you are in a larger body, you know, it's like all of the um, patterns and thoughts and everything around food is kind of normalized in our society. And again, like I said, like really encouraged for people in larger bodies, whereas if someone was in a smaller body, you know, it would be maybe more flagged as like, Hmm, I wonder why this is happening. You know, like, why is, you know, why are you having this like disordered relationship with food and body? And so I think that that's, you know, extremely dangerous and, you know, just not validating where it's like, yeah, you really are this, you know, disordered relationship with food and body is, you know, not supposed to be happening. Like it's not supposed to, you're not supposed to have to live life like that. Yeah. And it's not even just like the bigger size and being in a smaller body, but like if you're in an average size body and you're engaging in like 
disordered eating behaviors, it can easily just be completely dismissed because, well, clearly there's nothing wrong. You're within the normal mm-hmm. BMI, which by the way, yeah. the BMI is like BS, but like oh that's God, neither, yeah. here, <laughs> neither here or there, but like, yeah. um, yeah, because we were having this whole conversation. It's like, oh yeah, doctors are super trained on this. And I'm like, yeah, except they're not. Mm-hmm. It, they're really not. They're really not. They they miss so many things and there's so much fat phobia mm-hmm. in it as well. So it makes it really hard to have that, ac- excuse me, that have that access to care. Mm-hmm. And I think kind of a thing that's related to this, that what you were kind of just saying, you know, like any someone at any, um, you know, weight or size range can have, um, a different reaction to like having an eating disorder or disordered eating when it comes to, you know, like what's going on in your body biologically. Um, and so there's this whole idea around like, you know, oh, well my labs all look fine. So like, I must not have a problem, you know, because like, I'm not like what you typically quote unquote, think of as like, you know, having an eating disorder, you know, like I don't need to be hospitalized. Like my body seems to be functioning, you know, kind of thing, but really our bodies are so adaptable that just because, you know, you have like normal labs or like, you know, you're not having like maybe some signs and symptoms of, you know, eating disorder or disordered eating um, things showing up in your body doesn't mean that like, there's not something that, you know, needs to be like helped, you know, or, you know, that you don't need to seek care or that you don't, you know, or that you wouldn't be validated. And like, if you do think that you need care, but your labs are normal, like that's a completely valid thing to like, want to seek care and help just because you want to, you know, it doesn't need to like get to a point of like, you're, you know, too sick. You know, it's interesting because I, you know, I think for a lot of people who have like eating disorders, um, there's like this type A personality, you know, like a lot of this is we talk about Mm -hmm. control and controlling our bodies, controlling the food that goes into our bodies. And so there's always it's similar to trauma in the sense that, oh, I must not have it because somebody has it worse. Somebody else Mm is in the hospital and therefore Mm -hmm. whatever I have doesn't really count. And it can even almost be like a sense of shame. Like, why am I not sick enough? Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. I've seen that a lot in like the different areas of care or the different like levels of care I've worked in. I see that a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And, and it makes it really hard to, I guess, like really advocate for yourself if your doctor's Mm -hmm. kind of blowing it off and you're in the position of thinking like, well, well, it doesn't even count. I'm not even doing it right. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, and I also think about that, like with the term of like eating disorders versus disordered eating. Like for me, mm-hmm. I always went with disordered eating because I never met really any of the criteria for mm-hmm. any of it in like in, in the DSM. But mm-hmm. even that's kind of like, oh, well, see, I'm not even doing it right. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so it, it can really mess up like this, I guess, like that control and like the image of you and like, whether or not you need help, like that complicates it as well. Definitely. Completely. Um, I, you know, have like a similar kind of where like I was never formally diagnosed with an eating disorder. Like I never, you know, quote unquote received formal treatment, Um, you know, but I've done, you know, various work with therapists throughout the years and all of that. But a lot of it was like my own kind of like self-healing and like my own kind of like 
just knowing that something was off and needing to heal it. And I think it's, you know, just what you said, like, I remember trying to Google, like, what is the criteria, you know, of an eating disorder to kind of see, like, do I fit in this criteria? And I think at the beginning, like I didn't really, so it was kind of like, oh, it's not bad enough. Like, you know, so I'm still kind of like allowed to be doing this. Um, like kind of justifying it for myself. And then it got to a point like where I was starting to like meet criteria. And I think that was good for me to kind of give myself that diagnosis. um, Because it was really like, oh, you know, this is opening up access to um, the help that I need to be seeking, you know, of like, okay, I have an eating disorder, like I need to figure out like what eating disorder recovery looks like. And, um, but you know, for some people, like, again, like, I think this can go into larger things, but it's like the label can either like harm or help, I really think. And so like, for me, the label helped, you know, like, I think it really like allowed me to tap in and like explain what was happening. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, there's all this, like, I always felt weird or like I felt weird about it for a long time because I was never like quote unquote formally diagnosed and, you know, I never quote unquote received formal treatment. And so it was always like, I had to like validate it for myself. Um, and so, you know, for me, the label was really helpful, but you know, for others, like, it's just a label. It's just a diagnosis. It's like, you know, if I had gone to a doctor and said like, these are my symptoms. Like, I really think that I have this eating disorder. Like I probably could have gotten some sort of formal diagnosis, but like with that, I don't think for me personally, that really would have changed, um, anything, but for others like that might, or, you know, just not really thinking about it in that way might be more helpful. You know, it might kind of like expand, um, the ways that you want to think about it. So I think it's really, you know, outside of like the medical system, like really kind of like thinking of like what, what is it for you that it needs to look like? I guess mm-hmm. if that makes sense. <laughs> totally. I mean, cause yeah, like, di- like labels can be very helpful in, in terms of like processing what it is that you're experiencing. Like, Hey, mm-hmm. this is so common that we even have a name for it and it can be very validating and even give you like a sense of hope of, okay, well mm-hmm. now we know what's wrong exactly. and now we can do something, for, do something about it. And for others, it can be almost like, okay, well, when did I earn this? label because there's mm-hmm. like that competitiveness yeah for some of it um or to what does it mean for me to have this label like mm-hmm. what stigmas are associated yeah. with me being diagnosed with this um yeah. and so it can bring up a lot of different things especially since there's a lot of fat phobia in the eating mm-hmm. disorder recovery world and and so like it depending on obviously it's so individualized. I mean, I feel like that's like the, always the answer. Well, it depends. I know. It depends. I know. It depends. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think a lot of it, it just kind of comes with like self-compassion with, mm-hmm. okay, where am I at and how is my relationship with my, with my body and with my food? Mm-hmm. And does it cause me enough distress that you know, I think about this all the time or I feel awful about mm-hmm. myself if mm-hmm. there's changes in my weight or my clothes or whatever, you know, like on this deeper level. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Because it doesn't really matter with the, the actual. OK, I mean, OK, that it does matter in terms of like health insurance, access to care, blah, 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 blah. Yes, that yes, matters. Yeah. But mm-hmm, in terms yes. of like mm-hmm. whether or not you're deserving of care, what matters is yep. you're in distress. Yes. That, that, that's reason mm-hmm. enough. Mm hmm. 
Exactly. And I think just to like do like a little side note of exactly what you just said of like, now I take insurance. And so there is a lot of, you know, talk around, like, do you have a formal diagnosis? You know, when I'm talking with my clients, just because, you know, I'm trying to look of like what I can bill for. And, you know, I always have that conversation with them of like, to me, it doesn't matter <laughs> like if you have a formal diagnosis or not, um, because our work you know, it's not going to change of like, whether you have that or not, it's more of just like, let's just get the technicalities through with insurance of like, what diagnoses do you have? You know, like, what can we kind of like work on, um, through that formal diagnosis, um, so that we make sure that we're kind of centering our care around that. But yeah, to me personally, um, that formal diagnosis, it's, it's not going to, you know, change our care together, but more just like we have to work within, you know, the system and the bounds and the scope of practice and all of those types of things. Yeah, it's, there's, um, I mean, for anybody who's kind of new to insurance or don't completely understand insurance, if you're using insurance to get treated for like mental health care mm-hmm. or like nutritional care and whatnot, um, you have to have a diagnosis mm-hmm. um, because the insurance has to deem that there's medical necessity. Yep. Mm-hmm. which can also be very limiting because if you're, um, cause they won't cover all diagnoses, mm-hmm. um, which I guess, I mean, it's so, it's so complicated. Like it's, it's mm-hmm. it really isn't, and it really shouldn't be Yes, in the mm-hmm. sense that if you don't have funds outside of, like if you have insurance and that's the only way you can access this care, then you should be able yeah. to access this care just by the fact that you're distressed enough with your body. Right. And it doesn't have to be like, crisis type of distress. Right. It, it can just be like, you know what? I'm noticing this trend, this pattern of just not being satisfied and feeling mm-hmm. disconnected or whatever, or whatever it is that's going on. And that just be reason enough. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and it just kind of popped into my mind of like, as a dietitian, I'm not allowed to formally diagnose, um, people, but I can do some like preventative, um, where it's not a diagnosis, but some insurance plans will cover like preventative care where like, I don't have to have like a diagnosis per se. Um, you know, I, cause I'm a California dietitian, I need to get a referral and things like that. Um, but there's a code that kind of just says like, um, inappropriate eating habits, I think, or something like that. And Mm -hmm. it's like a preventative thing. And I feel like that's kind of like the spirit of what we're talking about of like, you know, I'm saying inappropriate as in like, it's not helping you, like it's not working for you, Mm -hmm. not inappropriate as in like, you're doing something wrong, but it's just like, it's not like, you're not functioning in the way that you feel like, you know, you could or should be functioning or like, you know, your relationship with food and body is just off. Um, so I do like that, like, you know, if the insurance covers like preventative that I can use those kinds of things. Cause I feel like it does kind of like strengthen this idea that, like you said, like you don't need to be in crisis in order to get help, you know, same with therapy, like you're allowed to, you know, seek therapy, even if you feel like things are kind of, you know, like overall, okay. But you're kind of just like, yeah, I just really want to like work on my mental health, you know, in a different way and a different, you know, approach. And like, it doesn't necessarily need to be like, you know, yeah, a crisis mode, um, part of it, which I know a lot of the times it is like, that's also a part of the work that we do. But, um, yeah, I really like this kind of idea around like the self care preventative kind of aspect about it, like where it's a more like supportive, like you're just trying to like support yourself. Yeah. It's, 
I mean, really investing yourself on this. I mean, and the goal is for people to get care early anyway. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know Mm -hmm. our healthcare doesn't actually support that, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but Mm -hmm. ideally that's like what's best because if you have these beliefs and thoughts about your body and you notice it's popping up earlier, then there's Mm -hmm. less that you have to fight versus like, oh no, this is really Mm -hmm. ingrained into my soul. And you really having to Mm -hmm. challenge that. I mean, Mm -hmm. And both are, both are problem and like problematic, but not in the sense that you're doing something wrong, but it's probably causing you a lot of stress. And that's the whole point. Yeah, eating disorders, definitely. disordered eating doesn't have to have a certain look. It's how do you actually feel? And is this the relationship mm-hmm. you want to have with your body and right. how, or, or with your food? And if it's not, then how do you want that relationship? And if you're kind of on the fence, because that's also Mm-hmm. Well, for a lot of people too, I think there's this idea of you have to want be 100% dedicated and committed to recovery mm-hmm. before you can actually mm-hmm. access care. Mm-hmm. You know that black and white thinking when, yep. like, well, if you're like if you're ambivalent about it, it's it's also okay. So mm-hmm. what does it mean to be ambivalent about it? Because some people, you know, they also find comfort in those behaviors, and they're and it's terrifying mm-hmm. to think about if I let it go then what am I going to do? Or who am I as a person? If my body Mm -hmm. changes, like what? (laughs) Like, I can't cope with that. Yeah, totally. I'm just like nodding along vigorously to everything you just said, because it's, it's so true. And I I really loved that first part where um, I'm going to misquote you, but you were basically like, you know, ask yourself, like, is this the relationship that you want to have with your food and body? And like, if it's not, then like, that is all the validation that you need to like, you know, want to, um, seek that help and care. And, um, I think that, yeah, like you're, like we're saying, like our healthcare system really doesn't have like a preventative mindset. I think they're trying to from like a capitalistic insurance type um, lens because insurance is starting to realize that like preventative care is a lot cheaper than, um, you know, reactive care. Um, So I think like I see it slowly at a snail pace moving in that direction. Um, But yeah, our healthcare system is really not set up to um, strengthen and embolden this preventative type um, idea. And I would say like preventative, not even that it's putting all of like the onus on you that like, if you don't do these things, like you're making yourself sick. Cause like, I think that can kind of get a little messy, um, where like, oh, you know, like you have high cholesterol because of the way that you're eating. And it's like, okay, like actually now we find that like elevated cholesterol, like there's not really an effect on food. Like a lot of it's genetics or like maybe you're stressed or like, you know, there's just so many different like reasons why that might be happening. And so, you know, approaching like high cholesterol from like a preventative um, standpoint versus like, kind of like thinking like, oh, I could have prevented this. Like now this is all my fault that like this is happening. So yeah, I think it's a very, it's like a hard, um, tricky thing to navigate sometimes too. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of the stigma can also come from. Like I chose this, that these are mm-hmm. like my behaviors and therefore mm-hmm. like, who am I to ask for help? Yeah. Or who am I to question help? Yeah. Um, like, I feel like a lot of people who come with like disordered eating thoughts, at least to me, um, that they're, they're not 100% on board. 
mm-hmm. which is totally fine. I mean, mm-hmm. th- and that's part of it. Um, but it's really hard to like make space because like, well, if I'm not a hundred percent on board and I'm the one who's actively doing this, then do I even deserve to even have the space to like mm-hmm. process if this, is this really what I want? Mm-hmm. And I think um, I'm curious to like kind of see your viewpoint on that um, idea, because I think what's popping into my mind of like what's happening with that, with the people that I see is like, Um, they've tried dieting over and over and over, or like they've been living with these like eating disorder um, patterns and symptoms and maybe have tried to heal before. And like, so I think it's this idea around like, yeah, willpower of like, if I'm not a hundred percent in it, like it's not going to work because like, I've tried it so many times and look, it didn't work, you know? So I think it's this idea that like, oh, I need even more momentum, even more motivation. And I need to be a hundred percent in or else it's never going to work when really we realize that we've just been approaching it the wrong way. Like it's not you that's failing or it's not you that's, you know, not been able to like do this or, you know, like whatever your kind of goals have been over the years, it's more of like looking at it from a completely different um, angle. And just like you're saying, you don't need to be a hundred percent in like, these are all radical new ideas. You know, I think we've said it before. I know I say it constantly, you know, like society doesn't support eating disorder recovery. Like it's not, you know, like a safe, like safe spot to land, you know, like in society to like be going through eating disorder recovery. So it makes sense that you're just like, I'm questioning the hell out of this. Like I'm drawn towards it, but I also just don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know if I can do this. Like, you know, all of these thoughts, it makes total sense. Yeah. There's like this fear of failure. There's this fear of like, what is this going to look like? There's like, and then also that internalized fat phobia, because even if Mm -hmm. you're deciding like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to have a different relationship with my body, we are in a world where being in a bigger body is deemed bad and unhealthy and you get judged for that and you get treated differently in a lot of different areas. Um, and so kind of having to confront that internalized fat phobia and just kind of accept, Mm -hmm. okay, my body's going to do whatever my body's going to do. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to be okay with that because that's Mm -hmm. part of the, that's part of learning how to let go. And Mm -hmm. that brings up so much, like so much about like, associated with like identity in terms of value, worth, potential, whatnot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm just really like going into um, like, just really thinking as you're talking about like my own experience of just like, you know, this idea around, like, we don't have control over our weight, which is kind of like this idea that we're sold on time and time again, that we have like complete control over our weight. Um, and bringing that into like having an eating disorder, like there can be so much shame and stigma around like, uh, just this idea that you're like not doing it well enough, which is just so incredibly heartbreaking. Um, that like, yeah, if you're not sick enough or you're not at a certain body weight, like you're just not doing it well enough. Like you're not, you know, like doing the eating disorder, um, which again, is just like so heartbreaking just to even like have as an idea, but you know, I think about it too, of like, you know, this is like my weight largely, you know, like I had a lot of fluctuations when I was with, had my eating disorder. Um, but like overall my weight has stayed pretty similar. And so like my recovered body weight, like, is just kind of like 
an average um, body size. And like, that's just where I ended up, you know, and like, it's going to be a completely different experience for people ending up in recovered bodies at like different sizes and shapes. Like we're, you know, everyone's not going to have the same experience and not be viewed by society in the same way. Yeah. And I'm thinking like with mine, you know, I, well, I also had a baby and so I, I gained a lot of weight and, Mm -hmm. and it's really interesting because when there's these moments of vulnerability where I'm like, but I could, I'm like, Mm -hmm. you know what, even at at a smaller weight, like in a smaller body size, there was so much angst and pain and Mm -hmm. struggle with it. And, you know, and so I just, I, my body didn't do anything wrong. Like there's a, why mm-hmm. am I, why do I feel this need to want to punish my body for just existing mm-hmm. a little bigger, you know, like, mm-hmm. and so it's, but even that's kind of part of my own journey. And I know a lot of it, it, the struggle is also because of like, you know, diet culture and, yeah. oh, and yeah. the images that we see online and mm-hmm. on TV and in all these spaces. I think that's one of the reasons why I love crazy, the TV show, crazy ex-girlfriend is because mm-hmm. um, the lead characters kind of in a bigger body. I mean, mm-hmm. like midsize, bigger mm-hmm. body. And it's like, oh, yay. Like she gets to do all these really cool things and wear all these really cool clothes. I'm not fashionable mm-hmm. by the way. So it's not like it really matters to me, <laughs> but like, like she, like she looks good and, and mm-hmm. she's, and she doesn't have to really make herself smaller. Mm-hmm. Like she's just good the way she is. Um, so it, it's just eating disorders. Eating disorders are weird. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's why they're a disorder, you know, like, just like, um, you know, I always think of it kind of loop backing around to thinking about it. Like I do with anxiety disorders, like, the anxiety, like we all have anxiety, but like the disorder part of it is like the funky thing that's just like out of sync, you know, and it's Mm -hmm. kind of similar, like, you know, we're all supposed to eat, like we're all supposed to like, you know, we need to do that. But it's like the disordered part that is just like out of line and funky, you know, and um, I think kind of to what you were just saying, like, I think that's why it's so important to like have representation of like, all different, like, not just body sizes and shapes, but like, you know, people of different, you know, like colors and cultural backgrounds and just like everything of like, you know, just getting away from this like idea of like what eating disorders look like, because Mm -hmm. like, I think it's just so incredibly harmful. And then it also, you know, can feel hopeless if like you're trying to recover and you don't have anyone you know, to kind of like have as maybe a role model or just to see someone that looks, you know, different than what you kind of have an idea and an idea of in your head or like society has an idea in their head of like what eating disorders look like or what eating disorder recovery looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think just, I'm really excited for the future of like, just all of the different like representations that we're really starting to have and, you know, for better, for worse, I mean, definitely for worse. Um, but like eating disorders have really gotten, um, much more prevalent after, you know, COVID. And so I think it's really starting to be a much more like mainstream conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, whereas before, like when I kind of said like, Oh, I work with eating disorders, like people kind of really didn't have a sense of what that meant. You know, it's kind of like, Oh, like, okay. Like, you know, it's the people that like, don't eat or like a lot of people, you know, like no anorexia. And it's like, now people are starting to say like, oh yeah, like 
you know, I know someone or like, oh yeah, I kind of had my own, you know, struggles or like, oh yeah, I know that there's like different types, you know, it's really starting to become like more of a conversation, which I think is good because again, it's just like, I think it's so harming to have it be so, um, pigeonholed into like a very particular look of what it looks like. Yeah. And it keeps people out and then they're not Mm -hmm. able to get the care that they need and Mm -hmm. they feel isolated. I mean, because like one of the things that I really enjoy is doing group therapy. And so like, that's the whole point is to help people feel connected and Mm -hmm. like understood and validated. And when you just for lack of a better word, like gatekeep who gets to have services because you're quote unquote, Mm -hmm. like sick enough, then -hmm. you don't even feel like you get to be a part of a community because who are you? Mm -hmm you're, you're not sick enough, you know? And, and that's even more distressing and that creates Mm -hmm. even less, you know, I guess more hopelessness and, and isolation, which also doesn't help with disordered eating behaviors. Mm -mm. Yeah. Because that's what it feeds off of, you know, it feeds off of like that isolation, that shame, you know, that kind of keeping Mm -hmm. it to yourself, you know, that's what it really it loves to kind of thrive there. I, it was funny. Um, I've been in a, you know, like I, I keep mentioning, I've been in a very creative mood. And so I was thinking about this one act um, that I did in high school. Mm-hmm. And like the whole point was, you know, like I, I think I titled it like, don't leave me when I say go away or something like that. And it was about mm-hmm. somebody with an eating disorder and mm-hmm. like hiding it and people confronting mm-hmm. them and like working through it. It was like super cheesy. I think there's like nuggets of like, oh, I think I can build on this and make this like way more like better, but like yeah. super cheesy. But, you know, <laughs> but like, you know, I had this thing and I wanted people to see it because then other people maybe can gain this awareness or mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be silent. But then I yep. had, like, I think I had a friend read it and they like made some comments and like, nope, let me shut this down. <laughs> Not showing anyone. Um, yeah. But I guess like that, like the point is there's so much shame around it. Like, cause yeah. I was reading it. I was like, Ooh, this is some raw stuff right here. Like, Ooh. Mm-hmm. Completely. I mean, that sounds honestly like you're calling it cheesy, but I mean, from what you said, like that sounds like a pretty profound, like you know, like exploration for yourself and like the amount of vulnerability to like, you know, even create it and to like, kind of put it out there where like people saw it, you know, or like people read it. Like, I mean, that's just, that's a lot of just bravery. I mean, if we're going to use like kind of a, I don't know, cliche term to call it, but. Totally. And then they're like, nope. And we're going to hide it until I think this is the Mm -hmm. first time in like, probably since my kid's been born because I'm I'm almost one of those type of people who, when I clean things out I have to like look at everything and like mm-hmm. reminisce. so it takes me forever um mm-hmm. but I think this is the first time I read it all the way through without like cringing and like judging myself like yeah. oh my you know but I guess like but the point is you know with having that representation because the only representation re- representation I see like for the most part is being white mm-hmm you're a white woman, you know, that that's kind of like the stereotype of who has these problems. And if you're not, then, you know, there's something wrong with you. Completely. And I think you're touching upon like, there's, you know, different types of privileges and different like levels of privilege. And it's, um, yeah, for myself, like being a white woman and, you know, like how hard it was for me to, 
um, expressed that I had an eating disorder and, you know, all of these kinds of things, but me living in the privilege of being white, you know? And so it's like other people having much different experiences, you know, because like they don't hold all of the privileges that I have. Yeah, I was like, I wonder if I was white, would I have gone away, like gotten away with it? Cause that's kind of mm-hmm. how it was mm-hmm. in high school. Mm-hmm. I have no clue. I just know mm-hmm. that like, this is what people look like. And mm-hmm. I don't always meet that. So I'm going to do my own thing mm-hmm. and express my own stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just like what we were saying earlier, like, that's why I'm so like, I, I want way more representation of just like it doesn't have a look because like we're saying I mean like we're saying like it just it shuts off so many um accesses not only to care but like to community or just having it not be kind of shut away in all of the different various forms you know it's kind of like having it be um a way to like connect or like be out in the open and I think that the more and more that yeah we do kind of destigmatize you know, eating disorders or the look of eating disorders, um, you know, as much as we can kind of will, you know, hopefully open access to more community, more care. Um, yeah. Less stigma. Yeah. Well, we do have a few minutes left. Do you have Mm -hmm. any, um, like tips or ideas Mm -hmm. for people who are maybe struggling with, I guess their own identity with having disordered eating, if they're feeling like, but do I really, I mean, the Mm -hmm. doctors aren't saying anything and I don't meet this criteria. Yeah. I I really like this question. Um, I think it's, you know, part of what you were saying earlier of like, ask yourself, like, do you feel like this is the way that you want to be interacting with food and body? Like, does it feel off? Like, does this feel like, you know, the relationship that you want to have. And if it's not, then like, that is all of the, you know, questions that you need answered. Like that's all the validation and permission you need to be looking for, um, you know, just different resources. And, you know, I think that I like to kind of work in the space of, you know, maybe people that have had a similar um, experience to me of like, maybe they've never received formal treatment or, like maybe they've kind of tried to do a lot of it, you know, on their own, um, because I really resonate with that. And so, you know, it took me like, there's parts of me that was sad that I never did formal treatment, but there's also parts of me that just like, know that that was just what needed, like, that was just the route that was just going to go for me. Um, and so I think it's just really like exploring in ways that feel safe to you, you know, like the internet (laughs) for better, for worse can be a great, you know, resource for, um, just trying to find like what really hits home to you of what you're going through and yeah, finding communities. I mean, I think especially with COVID, like so many things are virtual now. Um, And so it's even maybe just showing up to like some sort of um, virtual like community gathering of like, you know, eating disorder support, even if you feel like you don't totally quote unquote fit in, or you like are questioning whether like you should be there or not. Like, you know, maybe just try it out. Like you, no one's going to like judge you being there. And like, you're, you know, there's probably other people that are having a lot of the same questions and fears around like what it means for them to be in eating disorder recovery, or even just disordered eating or like any sort of support system. Um, and I'm just thinking like, there's a lot of Facebook groups, um, that are like, 
like I follow one that's like intuitive eating for beginners. And so there's just like a lot of support in there. Um, and I'm pretty sure you can post anonymous anonymously. So like, you know, there's even little like steps to take, like if you don't want to be totally like out there, if that doesn't feel safe, like there's definitely tons of, um, places to kind of explore even just on your own. I love that. That's also really cool. Like I didn't think about like the Facebook groups and like the support Mm -hmm. groups. Yeah. I don't use Facebook for really anything besides those groups. I really do think that that is an area that is still like very active. Yeah. I literally don't use my Facebook anymore except for groups. (laughs) Good to know. And I think like for um, those who are struggling with kind of like where they're at, Mm -hmm. um, I guess like challenging the shoulds of what you think having a disorder means or having this distress Mm -hmm. means Mm -hmm. um because there really isn't a should Mm -hmm. um you don't have to be sick enough or good enough at being sick Mm -hmm. enough in order for you to get treatment if you want to get treatment or reach out for help in any way shape or form um and you don't even have to be completely on like on board with being recovered Mm-hmm. Because as we mentioned, that's a pretty scary, vulnerable process. And mm-hmm. if you're not, it, it would make, it would make more sense for you to have those hesitations than to yes. not. Um, <laughs> yes. So yeah, I would, I would encourage you to like, not cha- to challenge the shoulds of the mm-hmm. situation and just kind of accept yourself for where you're at and be curious about what you're needing. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. I'm out. I, that's like more what I'm expecting. i <laughs> like, when people start to, um, kind of want to start work with me, they're kind of like, I don't really know if I need this. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I hear that constantly and like, we'll figure it out together, you know, like we'll figure out like where you're at, you know, if, like how you're really feeling about things. Mm-hmm. So I really like that. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us today and until next time. Yes. Thank you so much. See ya. If you have enjoyed today's podcast, please make sure to leave us a review. If you would like to know more about us, go to katiegaston.com or healingwithgroup.com.